0: For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding. Here with Steve Morgan, the editor in chief of Cybercrime Magazine. Great to be here, Paul. Also joining us is Amanda Glasner, Deputy Editor for Cybercrime Magazine. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. So, Amanda, your title officially with Cybercrime Magazine is Deputy Editor. However, around the office, we kind of informally call you the station manager. And really what that refers to is the podcast and the radio. And I feel like your role since joining us has changed dramatically. Maybe you could share some light on that and I really want to hear about how it's changed since you joined the company, but you could also maybe touch upon the radio itself, podcast, kind of what you do day to day.
1: Yeah. So my role has definitely changed quite a bit in the time since I've been here. I started as a writer and then kind of it naturally evolved to becoming this station manager for our radio station, WCIB Digital Radio. And I always say it's kind of funny because I took on this role. But in college, I actually took a class on the radio, like running radio. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would never have to use anything from that class. So now I do, actually. And it's been a very fun and enlightening evolution of my role.
0: Not to knock on any of your professors, but did that class actually help you at all? Or was it just kind of funny that you took a class like that and then now you're doing a lot of radio stuff?
1: Yeah, it was more just definitely kind of a funny coincidence, but now I look back and I'm like, wow, I guess it it was worth it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how about the podcast? Because we've obviously done a lot more podcasts over the years. Maybe you could just tell us when you first joined, it seemed like we were doing, okay, a handful of podcasts and now we're producing, it could be anywhere from maybe 10, 12 a week, depending on the week with publishing podcasts. Maybe you could tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, so we definitely are producing a lot more content now than when I first started here. And I guess as the evolution of our content grew and the amount that we're producing, it needed a little bit more of a hands-on role required by me to kind of take over in the situation of Hillary McClure, our Vice President of Multimedia Productions, going out on maternity leave. So I kind of took over when that happened. And then as the amount of content we're producing increased, I just kind of stayed on and worked on managing it.
0: Steve, I was hoping you could shed some light on, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but the antithesis of the radio, kind of how we started that. And maybe when we originally thought we were like, okay, this is going to be work, but we weren't sure how much. Again, we literally have someone, Amanda, sitting here with us, who her day-to-day job is working on the radio. We have other people in the office that contribute to the radio. But I'm kind of just trying to focus in and see, okay, we started doing podcasts. We moved to radio. Maybe you could just tell us a bit about that journey and then where we are today.
2: Yeah, sure. So I guess around three years ago, it was my opinion that cybersecurity, cybercrime, what we cover had gone mainstream. And we were starting to see this show up in the daily news every day. I'm talking about mainstream daily news, daily newspapers. It elevated to the point where it was in the forefront of society's consciousness. And my feeling was there's going to be a radio station. There should be a radio station. There's sports radio. There's radio on the internet for practically every topic. And since there's going to be one, who's going to produce it? And it's either going to be us or somebody else. And it would be a shame if it was somebody else. So, you know, let's be the first and only. And that led to a series of discussions with you, Paul, and I'm, I'm sure you can think back and remember those discussions, and it was, you know, daunting. I think actually the first time we discussed it, and I remember it, we both walked away thinking, nah, eh, you know, maybe we're really not going to do this, yeah. because <laughs> it was such a heavy lift. There were so many pieces involved. And I think I came back to you months later mm-hmm. and said, you know, we, we really need to pick this discussion back up. It's something we need to do. Now, all along, we had been producing what became a very popular podcast, and we launched that from ground zero. We weren't breaking new ground there. I think we just did a better job than a lot of people with the breadth and the frequency of what we were putting out, which has grown to where it is today. But that's a little bit on, you know, where radio came from. Now, we bring Amanda into the picture, and I think Amanda is really like a lot of other people who work here in the company. It can be a shocking place to work because I think what typically happens is we hire people for one thing, probably based largely on the talent that they bring and maybe what we're looking for. And then suddenly they're thrust into another position. It might not happen on their first day of employment. It may not happen for six months, but inevitably it happened to you, Paul. It happened to me as the founder of the company. I never thought, you know, I'd be producing documentaries and doing the things that we do. So, you know, for all of us and and Amanda, you know, the cream rises to the top. She just was, you know, the obvious talent for us when we needed someone to take this over and manage the station. And, you know, she plugged right in and she's done a great job.
0: And I remember those early days too, before the radio talking about Amanda, we spent a lot of time going over even what radio platform we should use, how the content, you know, what content do we have and how can we include that in the radio? And I think that was actually a really big key piece. We were sitting there kind of saying, Do we have enough content to turn this into a radio station? Now, of course, Steve, your answer was, well, if we start the radio, we're going to have to make content. So they'll kind of come at the same time, right? Chicken and the egg.
2: Well, that's a perfect example of, you know, the talent that Amanda brings, because it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to execute on it. So to give you an example, when we first launched a radio station, we were airing full podcast episodes. And our big thing was, okay, well, how do we, you know, fit some, you know, shorter content in between and how do we mix it up so that we're not running the same thing over and over again so that it's, you know, feels fresh. Then we tabled an idea, probably a group of five or six of us, you know, talked this through and we decided that the podcasts were just too much. That's not what people are looking for on a radio station. We can't keep airing these, you know, 20, 25, 30 minute podcasts. Let's produce a quote short. What's a short? A short is maybe two, three, four, five minutes tops yeah. of that you know, long podcast. Okay, great. We all agreed, hey, that would be great. But then Amanda had to write all of those scripts. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It requires you know, a certain writing style that she had developed since she's been here with us and she's done a great job. She really made it all possible. I, I don't know, Amanda, how many do we have now?
1: I want to say between 30 and 40 in total, and each one is, in my opinion, interesting in its own special way.
2: Yeah, so for anyone listening, I mean, that's a lot of work. You take, you know, 30 or or 40, you multiply that by Amanda having to go back and listen to each one of those, maybe listen to it twice, and then to, you know, write around it and produce something that not only reads well, but you know, sounds good. And it's a good listen for our audience.
0: And it's a bit, you know, it does tap on those writing skills that you had, Amanda, coming in and that you were doing initially. But it's also converting writing skills to writing for an audio-based content, which is you probably don't write the same way that you would write an article that you write a podcast short. They're probably completely different.
1: Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. It's a big difference. And I think one of the, you could say toughest, but one of the most interesting things about working on the shorts is that you have to pull out an individual story from each 30 or 40 minute podcast. And that's not always the easiest to find, but once you do find it, it's a really nice, succinct piece of content.
0: Do you have a favorite short? I'm just curious because you've done, at this point, again, we named so many of them, but do you have a favorite? I know I have one in mind if if you're a a little stuck for words right now, but.
1: Um, Coming to the top of my mind is probably the, one of the more recent ones we produced on Heidi Diamond. She was a cybercrime victim and I thought her story was like mind blowing that it could even be real and happen to somebody, but it's always something that I'm sitting there and when I hear it on the radio station, I'm like, wow, it's like crazy.
0: So Steve, how do you think we manage when it comes to editorial podcasts versus more sponsored, maybe like client-focused podcasts that have maybe like a a different mission to them? I know we've changed our formula quite a bit, and I'm kind of curious about this because Amanda brought up a good point saying this editorial one, it's actually quite a sad story, the Heidi Diamond one for anyone that hasn't listened to it. It's basically about someone losing a lot of money, you know, cyber attacks, being scammed and things like that. So it's definitely like not a good situation for that person. I mean, we were happy to have them on so they could talk about it. You know, hopefully something comes of that and they're okay now. I don't know off the top of my head what happened with them, but I'm just curious, Steve, how have we progressed as far as editorial podcasts, putting them on the radio versus having them as a podcast, kind of that
2: whole mix there? So I think there's two things that we want to do with our podcasts and with the radio station. One thing we want to do is educate people. They're, you know, coming to us, you know, I'd say well over half the people who listen to one of our podcast episodes did a Google search or they sort of hyperlink to it somewhere. They're not actually sitting there on our stream. So they're looking for something. And, you know, we're trying really hard to speak to them about ransomware and, you know, the impact and exactly what that is and the new strains of ransomware. I could give you so many different topics, but that's one thing that we're trying to do is educate people across pretty, you know, broad variety of topics. And the other thing that we're trying to do is to attract more people to the field. So we are programming some things that are designed to be entertaining even though this isn't entertainment radio, per se. It's kind of dark subject matter. It's, you know, a lot of people are getting hurt. But at the same time, it is an exciting field. We do want to get more young people involved. So we're trying to bridge the gap to maybe, uh, you know, I'll say pop culture, movies, books, you know, anything that can help connect with a young person who isn't sure about what they want to do and maybe, you know, cyber could be for them. So it's those two things. And I don't view the podcast and the radio as being exclusive to each other. The radio is definitely not replacing the podcast. There are two great ways for people to listen the way they want to listen. Some people are very deliberate and they're looking for specific subject matter content the podcast is how you do it. You go out there, you flip through, you can find the topics that you're looking for. We have playlists that Amanda has created. And then there are other people who I think would like to just sit back and kick back and, you know, listen to cyber playing in the background while they're doing things. It could be driving, it could be commuting, it could be sitting at their desk working and, you know, seven by 24, we've got this cyber material for them.
0: And I think one of the biggest changes I've noticed, certainly since we started the radio, and this was a big push by the three of us to figure out what can we include that does give an increased value to both the podcast and the radio, because we do treat them as a unifying thing. We borrow materials from both. They're kind of sharing the same content at times. Other times, it's a little bit different or modified for one platform. But news programs in general for us, we do a lot of them. It's kind of actually surprising how many we do per week, even per day. We at least have one per day minimum. It's usually two per day because we have multiple hosts doing the news segments. I'm just going to name two people. The obvious one is Hillary McClure. Again, Amanda, mentioned her before, VP of Multimedia Productions, and she records our daily news segment, which runs Monday through Friday. We also have Scott Schober. He's been an author of a book, Hacked Again. You've probably heard him on our podcast. You've heard him on the radio. He does a lot of things. I mean, I could be getting the exact number wrong, so you can correct me, but I know it's at least 10 plus news programs per week that we produce. And I'm just curious, how have you seen that change since we started the radio? Because we didn't have that at the beginning. We weren't even maybe thinking about news programs. We were thinking about shorter content, but not sure exactly how to convert that into something tangible for the radio.
1: Yeah. So when we first started and we first launched the radio, the only news program we really had was the global news, which we sourced from Feature Story News. I think they're a UK based company and they do excellent work. So, kind of, that piece was the originating idea for us producing our own news content, which then became us producing a cybercrime news piece, which Paul mentioned airs every weekday. And then from there, it was, oh, maybe we could get a little more specific with the news we're airing. So we have the hack blotter, which covers the latest news and arrests kind of in cyberspace, and then the venture capital report, the mergers and acquisitions report, and the crypto crime report. So all across the week, we're getting those. And then from Scott, we're also getting the Cybercrime Wire, which is a daily piece that kind of goes into more depth on each current hack and the happenings in the industry.
0: Steve, maybe you could touch a bit upon, because we pull a lot of this material from the feeds that we have on our website. These are News based feeds of articles, a collection of articles that we curate that are to do with cybersecurity. We call it the Cybercrime Wire. That's like our main feed there. Steve, maybe you could talk a bit about how we take content from the editorial side. This is pure written material. Again, it's a curated list of articles from other places. It could be Vice News, it could be Fox News, it could be CNN, any major media that is producing content around cybercrime. We kind of curate and pull into our own list and then we generate news out of that. Maybe you could talk a bit about that process. So
2: the big thing there, Paul, has to do with the hosts. You just have to have people who are good on the radio, have a good voice, and then know cyber. And that's tough because those are two very different things. But... You really can't be a commentator, talk to people about cyber without having some sort of background. So we're very fortunate in that we've got a great group of people. Hilary McClure, who you mentioned, our VP of Multimedia Production, has learned a lot about cyber, not her background, but I'd say she knows as much as anybody who covers it at this point. So she does a great job. We have Scott Schober. We have Dr. J, Alyssa Abdullah with MasterCard. We have Heather Ingall with Strategic Cyber Partners in Virginia. We have the former White House CIO, Teresa Payton. I could go on, but this is just a collection of fantastic people who are able to disseminate that for our readers. So as you said, Paul, the Cybercrime Wire, you can go to cybercrimewire.com every day of the week. You're going to find the latest hacks and data breaches and things of interest to our community. You can read it or you can come tune in and get some unique commentary and, and the host will give that
0: to you. So before we go, guys, I just want to ask kind of any closing comments, Amanda, anything you often aren't in front of the mic. So any closing comments or thoughts you want to share with people it could be about the radio it could be about yourself. It could be about Cybercrime magazine, whatever you want.
1: Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm not always in front of the microphone. As you said, this is always fun. But any closing comments, I would say just listen to the radio station. You can visit it at cybercrime.radio. And if you have any feedback, you can provide that via the form on our website. I think we're always happy to hear outside opinions. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for us on the radio station and the podcast.
2: Steve, any final thoughts? If you're a cybercrime victim... Contact us, as Amanda said. Use the form on our site. Go to cybercrimemagazine.com. Click contact, and, you know, we'd be happy to talk to you. And the same is true for authors and experts and anyone who thinks they have something unique for our community. Get in touch with us, and you might be on the airwaves. Thank you guys so much for joining me.
1: Glad to be here.
2: Thank you, Paul. To follow all of our media, go to cybercrimemagazine.com.